Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 178 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is July 18th, 2011. Got a great show for you this week on the podcast talking about the USC football team and USC football recruiting. If you have any questions or comments, please drop us an email. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address or give us a call 206-888-6755. Leave us a brief message and we will play it on the air and answer any questions you have for Coach Harvey Hyde, myself, Gerard, Dan Weber, whoever our guest is, 206-888-6755 is the number. Call and leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you and play your voicemail on the podcast. And uh, We have Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment. As always, we love talking to him. Coach, how are you doing today? Everything good? Hey, Brian, thank you very much. Yes, everything is good and I'm uh, happy to be with you. And we're getting closer to football season, which gets me a little bit more fired up. So let's get started. All right. I just want to thank our sponsor for this segment, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website. Or give them a call, 1-800-888-7287 is the phone number if you need tickets for anything. Uh, lots of baseball stuff still going on. You can check out anything of that, anything in the sport, you know, uh, sporting world, theater. Check all that stuff out. And, uh, Coach, we've got a busy show, so I think we're going to jump right into it. Um, big, big news, I guess, for USC fans. There are a lot of people talking about this on the message boards and we'll go over that. We have a pretty long question about this. Uh, Mark Tyler was in the news for not a good thing. Um, if you're not familiar with TMZ, it's a a website and a TV show. TMZ stands for 30 mile, uh, zone. And it's, uh, it's talking all about Hollywood and the 30 mile zone around Hollywood. Um, it's something to do with the unions or something like that for actors, but, uh, TMZ shows a lot of people coming out of clubs drunk. They have cameramen out there. And that happened to USC running back Mark Tyler. And Rob, who was a USC class of 1996 grad, had this question for you, Coach Hyde. He says, do you or the coach, could you please comment on the recent comments made by Mark Tyler to TMZ while out in Hollywood? What disciplinary actions do you think Coach Kiffin and Pat Hayden should take in regards to Tyler's unbecoming comments? He appeared intoxicated, and he definitely was on camera, and stated at TMZ that he received payment from USC. He made a joke about that. Uh, about He made some sexual jokes. Uh, he made a sexist comment about Arizona State co-eds, referred to USC as the University of Sexual Ballers. It, it really wasn't all that uh, flattering for, for Mark Tyler and for USC. Uh, a lot, you know, um, Rob goes on to say he doesn't think players should be saints, but in Tyler's situation, he's already on probation for an alcohol incident which he allegedly groped a female student at an off-campus bar. Should he be held to a higher standard as a projected starter, senior, and a team leader? What do you think is going on here, Coach, and what do you think USC should do about this? Wow. Well, Ryan, I didn't know about this. I didn't know about this. Uh, I don't follow all these things on TNT or whatever they are. (laughs) TMZ, yeah. I don't know what they're called, but uh, (laughs) that's an explosion to me. Uh Wow. Um, well, first of all, the comment on it, first of all, you've got to have a little bit better common sense as, a, as, a, as, a, as an individual. 
you've got to remember you're a high-profile person in, in Mark Tyler or any individual that rep- represents a university or a football team, plus himself. I mean, here's a guy that was on the edge or on the bubble as far as not knowing really what was going to happen on his past incident as far as eligibility and playing this year at USC. He's one of the top running backs in the country. I thought he was the top running back in the country at Oak Christian High School coming out. And he really, uh, I thought, was starting to demonstrate through the loss of weight and so on this summer in uh, waking up and finding out that they, this is his money year and he better get, get it done. But, you know, sometimes things happen where it's not the coach's decision that he doesn't play or Pat Hayden's decision. It's the individual himself, and I think the individual himself has to take some responsibility for his actions. I've always said this, you know, you can't always blame the coach or the athletic department for what student-athletes do. You have to look, first of all, at the individual himself. Then you have to look and you say, hey, listen, we've given you an opportunity to attend USC. You've been able to demonstrate your skills if you uh, are – what you're supposed to be, you'll get a college degree, you'll get an opportunity if you can play in the NFL to go on and play in the NFL, and you've got to know and have common sense where you don't embarrass yourself or the university. You really do, and it puts a coach in a very difficult situation because a coach doesn't want to penalize his top running back because you because you got to win, and if the coach doesn't win, he gets fired. So you, you look at the kid and you say, where does the responsibility lie? I personally think it lies... But the kid, kid used poor judgment, first of all, in going on TV, knowing what his situation is. And again, you've got to look at the person who comes up to him with a camera, and you've got to say, what a way to make a living. Now, really, when you look at this and you say, I don't care what TV station it is or who watches it or so on, but when a young man is answering these type of questions, you know he's going to get in trouble. You know it's going to lead to something that's not good. Why would you continue talking to him and interviewing him under his when he mentioned he's possibly intoxicated or whatever? So, I mean, you got to look and you got to look at the whole case and say, "Wow, there are two wrongs there that's going to turn into a bomb, and it's going to be not a good finish." Uh, you know, sometimes you back coaches or athletic directors or administrators back to the wall, and then when a guy is suspended. He's suspended because he did it. The university didn't do it. And I think the football fans have to look at it. I have had to suspend players before, and it hurt me more than it hurt the kid because it's hurting the whole program. It's hurting you as an individual, the university, the school, and everything. But you can't continually have these type of things happening with your program. Otherwise, they call your program is out of control. Your program is completely out of control, and we can't have this type of action as far as at USC, it hurts our image, it hurts our athletic department, it hurts our football team, and so on. So personally, if this went on, I don't know. I don't think the coaches or athletic director have a choice. But yet you have to be smart enough on how you handle this because you've got to sit down with the kid and you've got to talk with him and, and you've got to, you know, you don't want to have a kid running around unhappy, disgruntled, making up stories, leading to uh, magazine articles and so on, because he won't recognize really what he did. He might be sorry for what he did, but he'll blame someone else for what he did. 
So you have to be really cautious, yet you have to understand what happened, and you've got to be able to have some type of action. You just do. Otherwise, you have a complete football team running around out of control. So you've got, when you sign a letter of intent or an an agreement with the university, you represent that university, and there's things that go along with it, not only just your playing ability or your academic achievements to be eligible and so on, but you represent that university, and you have to represent it in a certain manner. And I think he sort of pushed it a little bit too far, but that's not for me to judge. I didn't hear the interview. I didn't see the interview. I don't know exactly what happened with the interview. But, uh, wow, Uh, you know, there's a point of where you just say, hey, son, you're burying yourself, and and you you really won't recognize what you've done to yourself until it's too late. So uh, that's all I can comment on that because I don't know about it, but I know that it's not good. Yeah, Coach, and I, I think right now I think players have to be on notice that, you know, USC going to the next recruiting cycle is going to be down 10 scholarships a year. They got to be under 75 scholarships. They have to, I mean, there might be ways they have to, to, you know, basically cut some people, people that aren't going to be able to be on the squad anymore. Any player that goes out and, and does, you know, unflattering things off the field. I mean, I think their scholarship could be in jeopardy when you do something like that, getting suspended, kicked off the team, you know, with the, the limited scholarships out there, it seems like a time when players have to be even more vigilant because, it is tough. I mean, there's not a lot of spots right now. No, I agree with you. And, and here's a player that, you know, is listed in one of the publications I saw as an all-conference back, I think second team. So they, they, everyone knows he has great potential. Everyone knows he should be a great football player, and all he does is, is trip on his own rope. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, it's really unfortunate for the university, the football program, and, of course, the, the kid himself. And I hope Tyler understands this. And, you know, you, you know, apologies can only be said so many times. And then action has to be taken. And you, you, it goes back to the individual himself. The individual has to understand what he said or she said, how it affects the university and the football program. And it hurts the coach and program the most because it's someone they're depending on as far as for this coming football season. But you have to do what's right. So I don't know what the uh, what's going to happen with this. Uh, I'm sure they'll view it all. It wasn't just a short comment. I The way you just told me, it went on and on and on and on. He yeah, didn't was, miss anything. It was a couple minutes long. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't miss an area. So uh, I don't know. And, but, it, you know, what gets me is he wasn't with a friend or somebody that, said, come here, get out of here, let's get out of here. Uh, you know, he was taking TV time, and the person interviewing knew exactly what he was doing, and he knew that it wasn't right, and yet he needed to get this footage for his website or whatever the heck he does. And that's exactly what's going on in today's investigative reporting. There is no reason for them to be interviewed at that time. If you want an interview with Mark Tyler, you go to campus, you set it up through the SID, and you do it when you can get decent type of interviews. So there's two wrongs going on here. One, the way Mark Tyler was in the condition he's in. Two, he didn't recognize that he was in this condition and someone take him away or he'd leave himself. And I got to also 
say to the person who did that taping, congratulations. If you're looking on ruining people's lives, you did a good job. That's uh, I think that's TMZ specializes in stuff like that. Um, well, they, apparently the, the team was fine. I got a email from Alonzo. He had a couple of questions. He said, rumor had a team meeting today. Can you provide us? Was it negative or a positive meeting? I don't even know if it's happened yet. The team was working out this morning. They have a couple of things. So they are supposed to be, there was supposed to be some sort of team meeting today. So that could be getting a dress coach. We'll have to figure about that. And uh, he also wanted to know about Buck Allen, uh, Javarius Allen, the, the big running back out of Florida, what's going on with him. I, I talked, you know, we've been trying to find out what his status is. We know there's a few players for the class of 2011 that aren't on campus yet. Um, like, uh, you know, Steve Dillon and, uh, couple other guys but we have not seen buck allen around there and i talked to a couple uh, guys on the team they haven't seen him either so we're still waiting to hear what's going on with uh with buck allen um and gene had a question coach uh gene is from Coto de casa he's a lifetime trojan fan loves the podcast he never misses a broadcast and the question is for you coach he said he went to pasadena high in the 50s and in a class or two ahead of you, he believes Coach Harvey Hyde was there. He hung around with a very large guy, doesn't remember his name, but in those days, Harvey was a stud. Well, he's still, you're still a stud today, Coach. I don't know about just those days. Uh, I agree with everything Coach Harvey, said, Coach Harvey Hyde says, and I wish the USC staff would listen to him. How do you get affiliated with the USC program? And I wish he had gotten a shot to coach them. Thanks, Gene. That's very nice of him. Uh, Gene, I did go to Pasadena High. In the late 50s, okay? Let's don't make it early 50s. <laughs> okay? I did go to Pasadena High School and uh, did, uh, I think the gentleman he's talking about possibly is Bruce Roberts. He was our offensive center. He was 6'11". Can you believe this? Oh. 6'11". At center? And, yeah, and was about 200 and, uh, I don't know, 70 pounds. And I tell you, you couldn't even see the quarterback behind him when he bent over. The quarterback was more or less a secret weapon. Uh, he just sort of handed the ball to the guy, and it hit him in the face. But uh, <laughs> he was our center. We had other great players that were much bigger than me. I was an average player. I was a left tackle. After I played at Pasadena High School, I went to Pasadena City College, and then went into service and came back after that and played at Pasadena City College. But uh, thank you for listening to our podcast, and uh, and I'll be happy to uh, answer any questions. Now I forgot what the questions were. Gene. I was so concerned about playing or going to high school in the fifties. I forgot what the question was. No, he, well, he just wanted to know who that big guy was. And, uh, Oh, oh uh, yeah. Uh, Bruce Roberts was the big guy. Yeah. We weren't very good. We didn't have a great football team at all. Our coach was, uh, Dick Simmons, Simpson, Simmons. And, uh, we were on the passing the city college campus at that time. And then they opened a high school, a year or two after I left uh, Pasadena High School, the new campus. But, uh, yeah, I went to Pasadena High School. I wasn't the, the biggest guy, but uh, I was one of the, the tackles. I was 6'3", about 200, 210 pounds or something. Maybe at that time that was Tackle. big. yeah. But uh, we, I really enjoyed my high school experiences in, in growing up in Pasadena. That's me. That's that was it. me. I was a bulldog, okay? You were a stud, too. Well, he wanted to know how you got affiliated with USC also. Oh, okay. Well, uh, how I got affiliated, I was doing a radio show in Pasadena, which I've been doing radio in Las Vegas for a long period of time. And uh, 
I do it at a restaurant. I was doing it at a restaurant called the Burger Continental, which is on South Lake. A lot of people recognize that name because it's a very popular restaurant in Pasadena. And uh, Mike Garrett came into the restaurant and was eating there regularly because he lived in Pasadena, and he was listening to the broadcast. And at times I'd talk about football and USC and so on, and, and he came over to me after one of the shows, and he said, you know, when I listen to you talk, uh, you know as much about the USC football program as I do, and I'm working there every day. And he says, I think you should do, because at that time he knew the show was going back to Las Vegas. He says, we have so many alumni who live in Las Vegas that don't get the daily updates of what's happening in our athletic department at USC. They don't even do it locally here in uh, in L.A. In the, in the media and so on, the newspapers. That's why you came along. And uh, he says, I would like to recommend, if you could, uh, do a show from here back to Las Vegas about USC athletics. And I said, okay, let me get together with you, and we'll see if we can put this together. So I put together the show USC Trojan Talk, which you have been on, Ryan, several times. I have. It's fun. And uh, what I do during the year is I have every coach from the athletic department over to the Burger Continental and administrators and whomever, like people like yourself associated with USC, it starts August the 9th uh, there at the Burger Continental. The first guest is Peter Arbogast, and we talk about the coming season. We, we're, every Thursday we do this show from August the 9th all the way through May. and We have every coach in the athletic department, administrators, so on, people behind the scenes, assist, you know, regarded to SC Athletics. And we have a lot of uh, people from USC come from the various clubs in the area and and uh, listen to the show. So uh, we have a little group there, just like the one that you did the other night. I saw your first one on, on the podcast. It was absolutely fabulous with you and uh, Weber. Yeah, I yeah. I really enjoyed watching that. Oh, yeah, the Ustream show. Thank you. Right. I enjoyed watching it. So we do this, but it's on radio back to Vegas. So I have been doing that show now, USC Trojan Talk. I'm going to guess 10 to 12 years back to Vegas, and all the people that are SC fans in Vegas listen to it. And uh, they put it on the front page of the USC uh, release that comes out weekly as far as the show, where it goes, who I am, and blah, blah, blah. And it goes back to Vegas, and people know that it's coming there, and they all listen to it. So uh, it's worked out very well, and I've continued to do it, and uh, we'll be doing it this next year. So uh, you can pick it up, though, on the Internet, by just going into KSHP, that's KSHP uh, Radio, or it's at KS, KSHP.com, and go to Programming, and hit Listen. And that's on every Thursday night starting August the 9th from 7 to 8 p.m. And my first guest is uh, Pete Arbogast. So, and it goes right on through the athletic department. Nice. Kevin O'Neill, every of the coaches, yourself, Everyone during recruiting, we have you on, as you know, so we can talk about the players. And it's, uh, I think, a uh, lot of fun, an opportunity for me to uh, meet all of the people in the athletic department personally. And uh, we talk about a lot of things off the air that also is very interesting for the people who come to the show because they have a chance to meet the coaches personally. And a lot of times people don't have that opportunity to meet the coaches and people personally. 
So uh, we're looking forward to doing that. And I believe the date, we're trying to confirm the date of September the 8th now for Pat Hayden. So uh, as we go along, that's what we do, and it works out great. Awesome. Okay, Coach, we'll in look fact, forward to in that. In fact, you store those shows, don't you? I do. We put them up uh, on – so you, you, know, you guys have them – we have them stored up there, but on the Peristyle Podcast, I always put a link to the latest shows up there, so you can listen to the latest show from Coach Harvey Hyde from Trojan Talk. Right. Well, thank you for doing that, too. No problem. No problem, Coach. Uh, okay, so let's get to – we got a couple of questions, Jeff, and we'll let you go. Uh, Lance wants to know – he says, thanks for a great podcast and uscfootball.com TV. He says, with poor showings against Virginia and Notre Dame and losses to Washington and Oregon, last year's team was much better on the road – then at home, I noticed that Coach Kiffin's team have had some of their best performances on the road against the best teams like Florida and Alabama in 2009, Stanford and Arizona last year. That bodes well for this season when we play SU, Notre Dame, and Oregon all on the road. However, winning starts at home. We have seven home games this year, and I'm wondering if you think the home field advantage will be reestablished. What do you think happened last year? And will, excuse me, and will the players, coaches, and even the fans get back that sense of invisibility in the great L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Thanks again, Lance. Well, Lance, that takes some time. What you need to do is you need to do some real butt-kicking in the Coliseum, and you got to bring back the program to a level where people uh, resect the program where they just want to go in and play and get out of their life. And uh, that's what your home field advantage is. Currently right now in the Pac-12, Oregon's got that feeling. Uh, when you go into Oregon right now, you're just hoping to keep it close. And I hate to say that, but that's what the philosophy is as a coaching staff and also as a players. Just try to keep it close so maybe you can pull the game out at the end. You don't want to get in there to get any scoring races or anything. Can't make any mistakes. you got to get yourself focused and be able to play their tempo of football. They are controlling their home field advantage 100%. FC did have that. They've lost that. The reason they've lost that is because they've lost home games. And when people see people beating USC at home, uh, they lose that, that, uh, that fear of playing in the Coliseum. Teams now do not have the fear of coming into Los Angeles and playing in the Coliseum. They look forward to coming to it. It's a great crowd. It's a great venue. People look forward to playing in the venue now, not, not coming there like... Uh, I'm going to be an, an underdog gladiator. And uh, and I think they have to get that back, and the only way you get that back is by doing some real demo work on teams, like they did on the 405 freeway and that overpass or that bridge this past weekend. You've got to really go in, and you've got to beat teams solidly so teams understand that the Coliseum is the home of USC football and whenever you play there, you better be careful that you don't get blown out. And that happens to great teams, great tradition, and so on. And currently right now, I hate to admit this, that does not stand in the way of teams visiting the Coliseum. There's not a fear factor right now of playing in the Coliseum against USC. Coaches show the videos of the teams that have played there over the last couple of years where they have gone into the Coliseum and defeated the Trojans there. So I think one film, too, that certainly uh, you show is the Stanford game two years ago when they, what, scored 50-some points against USC. And that's when Pete Carroll was there, even. So, uh, yes, you lose that edge when you allow people to come into your home 
and beat you at home. Uh, but you have to re, uh, redevelop that fear by having great teams and by not winning close games but destroying people where after the game the coaches as well as the players come across, shake your hand and say, wow, congratulations, you have a great team. And they know that. They don't want them to come across the field and say, well, you beat us, but we should have beat you. And I think that's what you have to rebuild in the tradition of USC football. Makes sense, Coach. We'll see. Uh, USC does have seven home games, so there's going to be a lot of opportunities to uh, get that crowd fired up at home, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, Let's see. We have one last question, and uh, we'll end on that. Here we go. Uh, Ryan, J.D. from uh, D.C. Listen, I hope you will take the opportunity this week to uh, show some support for Bruce Feldman and to condemn ESPN's uh, sanctionings of him. Uh, this is obviously a uh, guy you got to keep active in the uh, fraternity. Uh, well, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Feldman is a tremendous writer. I know him. In fact, I've had him on that USC Trojan talk show or my regular shows. He's he's really uh, knowledgeable. He's a great writer. Uh, he's honest. Uh, he's he's fair, and I think that's all you expect from the media is if someone does their homework and is fair. I've always believed that if someone is fair in reporting a a story on the team that I was coaching, that he would call me and be be certain that he got the facts correctly, then then all I could do is say, uh, thank you for calling and write it uh, the way you see it. And that person was at, accurate in his reporting. And Bruce did that. Now, on this incident, I don't know exactly all of the details of why he was let go, and I understand he's been reinstated, but it had to do with a lot of the uh, things that were in the book that related to a network that helped motivate or encouraged a coaching change to be made or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a weird situation, Coach. So, I mean, if people aren't familiar with the situation, Bruce Feldman was basically a ghostwriter, wrote a book with uh, Mike Leach, the former coach of Texas Tech. They agreed to do the book uh, before he was fired. Um, then all the, the incident went down with uh, Craig James, who's an ESPN analyst, and his son, who played for Mike Leach. And there was a lot of back and forth. And just what a lot of people feel that ESPN was kind of uh, biased in their coverage of what was going on at Texas Tech and, and, and against Mike Leach. Mike Leach eventually got fired. Well, the, the book was already in place, and this basically changed the ending of the book because <laughs> obviously something very different happened. And so Bruce is kind of in a pickle. He works for ESPN, but what's going to come out in the book is definitely uh, not positive as far as ESPN goes. It does, you know, on the surface, it looks like ESPN was backing Craig James, uh, backing their analyst who might have been in the wrong um, in, the, in what he did, you know, regarding his son and trying to get prefer, preferential treatment for his son. So, uh, but, you know, from what my understanding, and if you read some of the stories out there on this, that Bruce did get approval. And I did, full disclosure, I'm good friends with Bruce. I was actually in his wedding. Uh, he's a real good friend of mine. Um, I haven't really talked to him too much about this whole situation. But, um, you know, from, from what I've read, he did get approval from ESPN, uh, let people know what was going on with the book. Uh, when 
excerpts of the book were released uh, last week. Uh, word came down. Uh, Sports by Brooks reported that uh, he was suspended. ESPN since said that he wasn't suspended, but we still haven't seen Bruce tweet at all. He would be tweeting. He hasn't promoted his book at all. So he's obviously in a tough spot here. Um, it doesn't look like he is suspended or anything. If he was, it was just for a, a brief period of time. He's he's He should be back doing his stuff, but we haven't seen really much from Bruce yet. And I know you're in a tough spot too, Coach, because you work for ESPN, and a lot of people you know, obviously love ESPN. We're not really sure what's going on with this whole situation, but there was a, a huge Twitter campaign. Coach, I know you're not on Twitter yet, but people were, were, were doing free Bruce, and a lot of people changed their pictures on Twitter to, to Bruce's picture, and we're really putting a lot of pressure on ESPN that they should not have suspended Bruce. So like you said, he's a well-liked guy. He's a fair reporter. He does a great job. And uh, he has a ton of support out there. So I think ESPN was in a tough spot as well. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll see. Maybe it'll sell more books for Bruce. I haven't read the book yet. I'm curious to see what it has to say. Um, and hopefully Bruce can keep writing uh, with ESPN. He does a great job for ESPN, the magazine and ESPN.com. But it's a kind of a, a weird time right now. We haven't seen, to, for Bruce not to tweet for this long, it's kind of strange. We'll have to see uh, what goes on in the future, Coach. But I agree with what you said about Bruce. I mean, he is my good friend and everything. But everyone I've talked to that coaches and stuff that have dealt with him have really enjoyed him. And we've had him on our shows, too. He's been on uh, our USCFootball.com TV show. He's been on the Parastyle podcast. And he's always been helpful for me, uh, who, especially when I was more of a newbie in this business. He's been, you know, he's got a lot of experience. He helped me out a lot with that. Well, let, let, let me tell you, uh, and I can say this, I know a lot of what happened in the background, okay? And what you've just done, sometimes negatives turn into positives. You've just convinced me I want to get the book. Now, what I mean is I really want to see what's in this book. And I think our listeners out there today probably are con- feel the same way I do. Oh, what, what, what is in this book? Because I had some strange feelings about everything that happened there. And I've spoke to a lot of coaches who know exactly what's happened there, and I don't know, I don't want to talk about it. But uh, I just want to see if some of the things that I've heard uh, is in this book. And I think it's uh, an opportunity for us to find out sometime just what happens and how media works and how it influences individuals. The media is a very, very strong, strong, strong voice, not ESPN. I'm just talking about media totally. And uh, a lot of people have fallen through media. and The media can uh, determine feelings of people, whether it's the coach itself, on should he be around, should he be gone, on players' performances, on presidents of the United States, uh, on a lot of things. So uh, I'm, if it was an accurate report, then possibly they felt there was a conflict of, of what was going on. But if he got approval to work with Mike Lynch, then I don't know if they can tell him what he can say in the book. But again, we'll have to wait and see, and I don't want to get in the middle of this thing because I do work for ESPN, and I enjoy that 100%. But uh, I think I'm going to buy the book. How do you like that one? I was, I'm going to buy it too. So we'll see. I know, obviously, if, if ESPN was trying to limit people from reading this, uh, the, the, the media storm it created obviously did the exact opposite. I think it's going to sell a lot more books. 
Well, I know it is, because I wasn't going to buy one, and now I'm going to buy one. So make him print one more. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I'll get on the phone with that. I've talked to him for a little while. I'll, I'll talk to him and see what's going on. And, in to... fact, when we're off the air, I want you to give me his phone number <laughs> or email address or whatever, because I'm going to contact him personally in order. How do you like that? I like that. That's good. <laughs> okay. Well, Coach, we appreciate you coming on and uh, – sharing your insights. We had a lot of questions this week. Thanks for getting to all those, and thanks for everyone for sending them in. And, uh, Coach, I guess we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you very much for all of you uh, listening and for all of uh, Southern California sponsorships, uh, ticket sponsorships, Southern California tickets, and Ryan will tell you more about them in a moment. Hey, guys, have a great week, and thank you. All right, thanks again, Coach, and everyone else back in 30 seconds talking some recruiting with Gerard Martinez. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're joined by uscfootball.com National Recruiting Analyst Gerard Martinez. In this segment, Gerard, how are you, man? What's going on? I'm doing good. Fresh from our live show and... Uh... You know, nothing uh, too crazy going on with recruiting right now. Uh, we've talked about it before. It's been a little bit of a lull, which is uh, the first time in two years. But, um, you know, fall camp will start soon. Kids are going to be penciling in those official visits. And, uh, you know, UNC, while it's been quiet this summer, I think you're going to see a lot of kids that have been uh, lying low for the past few months probably pop up uh, with some official visits. So that's something we're kind of waiting for. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to bring you the latest on uscfootball.com when it happens. Yeah, the live show, if you didn't know, is our uscfootball.com TV. We do it on Ustream. We, we took a couple months off. Uh, we were doing a Traditions uh, on the USC campus. They closed for the summer. And uh, we talked to the people at McKay's, which is basically just right across the street from campus next to the Galen Center where the, the Radisson is downstairs there. And, and they're, they were welcoming us in there with open arms. And we tried out our first show there on Thursday. It worked out really well. We just had Dan Weber and, uh, and Gerard on. And we got to talk about the team and talk about recruiting and stuff. So it was a cool show. If you want to get on there live, you can, answer, you can ask questions live. We can answer them right there for you. And then we do put the latest replay on Peristyle Podcast. Dot com. So you can check out peristylepodcast.com when you get the podcast, like when you got it today or whenever you downloaded the podcast or checked it out. If you're not doing it on iTunes, if you go to our website directly, you can see a link to our latest Ustream show. So got to talk to Gerard about that. It, they're fun. It's fun to do that. I mean, I like doing the podcast, too. It's become really popular over the last three years, but that, that little live element is kind of fun as well. I tell you, it shows you how much redundancy that you have to have when you're bringing news to people and you're talking about things in detail because a lot of people miss a lot of things and you get a lot of the same questions over and over again, which, you know, I, I, 
you know, at face value, you go, oh, you know, gosh, people are not kind of paying attention. But I think it's just a matter of, you know, people living their lives and, and we put so much stuff up and there's so much information and the, you know, the peristyle is kind of like a stream of information daily with questions and there's so much turnover that I think people do miss a lot of stuff. So it's a good way to uh, make sure we keep everybody kind of updated and reviewed and the people uh, out there on the peristyle who are really the diehard guys, uh, maybe, you know, it's some stuff they've heard before, but, uh, uh, from my point of view, it's just um, kind of amazing. There's a lot of stuff that gets asked that uh, it's like, yeah, we did it. We had that in the war room last week. <laughs> and, uh, but hey, it, it, it is what it is. You got to uh, you know try to keep everybody updated and uh, try to get you know the word out to as many Trojan fans out there as possible. For sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's different. People like different mediums. I mean, I know a lot of people that really love the podcast, and then we've had other people ask um, asking us to transcribe it for them for like an hour show. Like, oh, yeah, I'll write it all out for you. No problem. Uh, but I think just the live viewing on video, and if you want to get to see what I look like or what Gerard looks like, not that exciting. But if you wanted to see all that, obviously the, the TV show, uh, the, the Ustream show is a, is a way of doing that. And, you know, it's different. You know, we, we're trying to push the envelope here at USCFootball.com. We've been trying to do that for years and years. And, Gerard, you've been doing a great job breaking so many recruiting stories. But we do try to bring things in a little bit different way. And, I, you know, I definitely think we were one of the first, if not the first, you know, uh, website on rivals doing a live show like that on Ustream, and you know, did I talked about it on the show? We did a presentation. I think a lot of other publishers are interested in doing that. So it seemed to be catching on pretty well, and hopefully, people continue to like it. And if you want to send us any questions for that, you know, use the same email podcast at uscfootball.com. And Gerard likes answering your questions on the air. Yeah, no, I, I don't mind it. I mean, for me, it's like put me on the spot. You know, put me out there and. Uh, I think if you're a recruiting analyst or a recruiting quote-unquote expert, and I always kind of giggle at that uh, that moniker, recruiting expert, because that's uh, that's an oxymoron. Um, but you know, I mean, it, if if you got the chops and you you know what you're doing and you're on top of this and uh, uh, you you really you know feel like uh, you you follow um, you know the the recruiting process and can give people insight, then it uh, shouldn't matter if you've got a teleprompter or you have things written down or you just, you know, it's there. So it's like, come on, bring it on. I, I, I look at it almost as a challenge. And it hasn't been quite a challenge yet because I'm waiting for those questions in chat that are really – we had a couple questions that I was like, oh, man, hmm, I don't know how to answer this. Uh, but, you know, you do what you do. You try to explain as much as possible. Some things, you know, we can't necessarily come out with and divulge in detail at that specific, t- that specific time. But, um, you know, it's a little bit of uh, sometimes a little cat and mouse game between I and uh, <laughs> com <laughs> subscribers. You know, they want to know things all right now. And uh, I can't blame them. I mean, if I was in that position, and I was in that position, that's the thing. I was, you know, a guy that just followed recruiting for years and, and uh, was on the boards and, uh, you know, anytime a little tidbit of information came out there about a kid and, you know, I wanted to know more about it, hey, you can step up and ask a question, you know, it's just that's how you get uh, information. So uh, it's uh, it's it's fun. I, I always kind of laugh to myself a little bit sometimes, you know, on the, on the boards. I get a lot of those, what percentage, you know, what percentage chance does USC have at this kid or that kid? So, uh, hey, you know, when it hap- when those questions happen in July, you kind of go, okay, it's this July, so <laughs> don't don't put too much stock into this answer. You know, it's 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 a temporary answer. <laughs> temporary. I like the temporary answer. It could change. Answers can are change. subject to, uh, subject to change. Uh, speaking of stuff that are subject to change, it's kind of a slow time for recruiting right now. There's not a lot of slow times during the year when it's slow for recruiting, but there's there's more camps and still more seven and seven and stuff seven-on-seven seven tournaments and things that seem to be going on, but not not a whole lot. I think coaches are, are taking some time off. It just seems to be like a time when 
leading up to fall camp, the 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 college players currently, you know, we're still down there at the workouts, uh, get you know, watching them, seeing what's going on with that. But recruiting wise, with coaches being on vacation, there's not a whole lot lot of news kind of breaking right now. No, and the coaches, uh, you know, I think in in USC situation more than anything because I mean. You know, last year we had uh, a few different commits actually over the summer, and when they were taking 30 in that class, that was pretty much the reason. You know, you had uh, guys like Peter McBride. Uh, I think he had both the kickers commit during the summer. Uh, there was a few different commitments during the summer, and so that was something, you know, we were trying to stay on top of. Uh, this year's different because this is really the first year where the 15 a year uh, limit that the NCAA put on USC has kicked in. So they they definitely have to kind of they they you know they're sitting on uh, quite a few commitments right now when you're talking about a 15 class and so USC has to be very kind of careful you know and not get over their heads a little bit with how many guys they have committed and uh, you know what the class limit is going to be. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I, I think it's it's more about you know USC just kind of tempering. Um, their their offers and, and, and who they want. And, um, you know, one bit of news that uh, we chatted a little bit about uh, was the offer of uh, Jake Rodriguez, who's a 6'3", 215-pound quarterback from Rockland, um, uh, California. It's uh, Whitney High School, the same high school uh, that uh, Jalen Kofitzpatrick goes to. And uh, this is probably the best quarterback that I've seen in person uh, in California this year. Uh, he's kind of sort of listed as a dual-threat quarterback because he ran for about 1,000 yards last year. But he's more of a pro-style. I think he's uh, definitely got the arm to be a pro-style quarterback, a guy that can drop back. He committed to Oregon, uh, was just offered from by USC a couple, well, about a week and a half ago. And that was surprising to a lot of people and, and, and perked a lot of people's ears just because it's the quarterback situation. Uh, and I think more than are they really going hard after Jake Rodriguez, it's are they really going to have to go after a quarterback this year with limited scholarship offers? And, it, you know, I had a lot to do with Matt Barkley, and we discussed it a little bit on the peristyle. You know, what are the chances that Matt Barkley leaves after this year? Uh, I, I think they're very good just looking at him being a post-style quarterback, a quarterback that had a lot of hype coming out of high school, um, you, you retain some of that hype to some degree, unless you come in and you really are a bust. He hasn't been a bust. He came in, started as a true freshman, and people, I, I think, that are close to the program and that followed USC would kind of shrug their shoulders and go, has he really, I mean, has he really done a lot? Has he really lived up to the bill uh, of, of being, you know, uh, to the level of Carson Palmer, to the level of Matt Liner? You know, they're used to seeing a, a guy like Matt Liner who came through the program, stayed an extra year, you know, he could have left, and is back in the national championship game throwing for a gazillion yards. And Matt hasn't necessarily been to that level production-wise. But you have to remember, production is a very small part of this whole big thing with the NFL. And these teams are going to look at a kid that uh, is a pro-style quarterback on a winning team um, that you know comes in with a great pedigree, a lot of hype. And when you look at the quarterbacks that were taken last year really high, it shows you what the premium is on quarterbacks in general. And so you got a guy that, you know, he's got that pro style. Uh, he's got the big arm. Um, he's got a lot of those things that, you know, the NFL is going to look at. If he has a good year this year, I don't need, think he has to have a great year. I don't think we're talking like, you know, Heisman Trophy type year. But if he has a good year this year uh, and USC has a winning, you know, a winning record, 
uh, I, I wouldn't be surpri- surprised if you saw Matt Barkley go top 15, um, top 20, uh, maybe even higher, and that's all of a sudden you're talking about a guy that is probably going to leave and, and go early to the NFL. And so uh, that's um, – you know that 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 definitely makes the quarterback situation a, a little more iffy for USC. Do they bring in a quarterback this year? Uh, there was some talk of Cody Green, who is a transfer uh, out of Nebraska, who's looking around and uh, was taking a visit to USC. His name we haven't really heard mentioned with USC too much. Um, it's uh, kind of a, a, a an odd pairing, you know, just looking at it from afar. Uh, Cody Green was a dual threat quarterback coming out of high school um, out of Texas. Uh, he's a big kid, you know, he's about 6'4", 225, but coming from an offense in Nebraska that, you know, they do run the ball a little bit with their quarterbacks too, it kind of, you wonder, you know, how that fit with USC and what USC's doing. Um, so that, that, we haven't heard that name much with USC, but now with Jake Rodriguez getting an offer and, you know, like I said, it, it's, it's really, I think, about Matt Barkley and also the quarterback position behind him. Um, you got two freshmen that are dueling it out, somebody's Going to have to redshirt. If not, both of them will redshirt. Uh, just kind of depends on you know how that works with uh, with with the season. Um, you know, does one of those guys transfer? Is USC worried about that? Uh, is USC worried about how much potential they have in Jesse Scroggins? I think that's really the bigger issue. Is you know where does Jesse Scroggins fit in this whole thing? And is he a guy that uh, they really feel confident can win football games for them? Um, or are they not necessarily sold on him? I think this is going to be a huge, huge fall camp for Jesse Scroggins, and he's got to be the guy that uh, kind of, I think, can win over the coaching staff. Uh, otherwise, I think they, they, they look maybe for another guy um, if they feel that guy is, is a special type quarterback. Is Jake Rodriguez special? I haven't seen that. I haven't really seen a guy that's just, oh, my goodness, the ball just you know comes out of his hand and he's got this great release. I think he's the best that I've seen in state thus far. There's a lot of intangibles. Um, but, you know, at the same time, regardless of how much USC may like him, he's committed to Oregon. I think that's going to be a tough commitment to, to kind of get him away from. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on with Oregon, though. And, you know, if there's another shoe that drops here uh, with them and, and the investigation that uh, the NCAA has put on uh, with Will Wiles and uh, just their relationship and, um, you know, just kind of what Oregon has been the last couple of years with recruiting, if all of a sudden you start to see, well, you know, Oregon might get in trouble for this, then you, you, there's a little bit of, you know, all bets are off, uh, I think, with uh, a lot of the recruits. So um, we'll, we'll follow that situation. Uh, we have yet to get Jake Rodriguez on the phone. But, again, he's kind of he's a commit. And sometimes, you know, and he doesn't want to necessarily cause a lot of drama for himself by maybe saying some nice things about USC uh, when he's yeah. an Oregon commit. So we'll see, you know, how that shakes out. But uh, that was one uh, little bit of uh, a headline that, that dropped the last couple of weeks that uh, definitely, you know, a lot of SC fans that are following recruiting, um, you know, put their ears a little bit. Certainly, yeah. And it was, uh, you know, whenever you talk about going up against Oregon and anything right now, I think it kind of sparks a lot of interest in USC fans. So we'll see. What happens there? And I agree with you about fall camp being big for Jesse Scroggins and all, you know, all the quarterbacks, Max Wittick and uh, Cody Kessler, just to see what they can do. Uh, there's going to be fewer quarterbacks that had, I think, seven or eight in the spring, and they, they've cut that down a little bit more. So we'll see more reps from guys like Scroggins and Wittick and, and Kessler and, and just watching them warm up before fall camp and stuff. We'll put some video up there of all that so you can kind of see everyone's throwing motion. And fans out there, you can make the decision for yourself who's throwing the best and stuff like that. Um, Let's go with uh, Bill in the East Village. He says, I love the podcast. 
and the TV program. And again, if you have a, a question for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Uh, the podcast, hands down, is my favorite podcast. Here's my question. I've seen video of Ellis McCarthy at camps, and he looks like a man right now. What are USC's chances of signing him, in your opinion? And we everyone knows that Gerard loves he didn't, he didn't say about a percentage on there, but he just wants to know the chances. Where, how does USC look for, for Ellis McCarthy right now? Well, then I don't have to give an exact percentage. I'll just I'll say good. Uh, <laughs> good chance. Good chance. He, he's a grown-ass man, as Kenny Norton would say. Um, yeah, I, USC's doing well with him. Um, you know, I think it's USC and Cal. I think that uh, he's enamored uh, with Cal to some degree with the coaching staff. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a family decision, and it's just something that USC is going to continue to have to work at. Um, you know, UCLA is not completely out of it. A lot of people, I think a lot of USC fans would like to just say, oh, they're terrible, Rick Neuheisel's not going to be there next year, and just kind of cast them aside. But you've got to realize that there's a lot of fan bases across the country that are doing that with USC. Uh, we talked about uh, – I think we talked about it on the, the, the live stream – I get mixed up here if it's with a podcast, a live stream, and you know these things kind of overlap nowadays in my head. Um, but I know I mentioned it somewhere uh, that with Nelson Aguilar, the uh, five-star safety slash receiver slash running back from Tampa, Florida, um, he's kind of one of those recruits that USC's got a legitimate shot at that a lot of people are kind of just doubting. Uh, just face value, USC's got sanctions. USC's got this going on, they've got that going on. There's no way a kid that's a five-star guy is going to go all the way across the country and go to USC uh, in, in that climate. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think USC has a really good shot at Nelson Aguilar. Granted, that doesn't mean he's going to sign with USC, but I think uh, they do have a shot with him, and I think you're going to continue to see them have shots with a lot of these types of players, and, and and maybe it's a good thing that you really the consensus out there, the opinion, because it does bleed into other coaching staffs as well. When you've got the fan bases all kind of uh, clamoring and and the rumors start about oh this kid's leaning here, this kid's leaning there. I think with a lot of the top kids, not a lot of fan bases talking about them leaning towards USC. And the thing is, is at the end of the day, it's all about where you're signing, you know, in February. And this staff is not going to let up until that point. And with Ellis McCarthy, you got a guy that is going to be involved with this recruitment till the end that's uh, just nothing but a go-getter, a guy that we talked a lot about, a guy that will go to war on a skateboard, that's Ed Ergeron. And, um, and so, you, you know, you've got Kennedy, um, Kennedy Pola and Ed Ergeron kind of double-teaming that recruitment. Um, I think, you know, that that's that's – that's that's good for USC. I think that's a a positive positive for USC, and um, and just the fact that you know it's close to home, he's comfortable with USC. Uh, I just think it's a matter of building that rapport and continuing to uh, giving him something to be excited about with USC. And that's I think maybe just the challenge with the coaching staff. We know that they can sell. We know that uh, you know they 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 got very good strategy, and I think a lot of that has to go you know to the credit of Ed Orgeron and Lane Kiffin. I think both those guys. You don't realize this, this is a coaching staff that's had a, a few um, recruiting coordinators in years past on the staff. Ted Gilmore was a recruiting coordinator at Nebraska. Uh, Ed Ergeron was a recruiting coordinator at USC uh, the first time around. Lane Kiffin, recruit, recruiting coordinator at USC. And then you got a guy like Joe Barry, who's just coming out of the NFL, but seems to be a very enthusiastic recruiter, a guy that really closed on a lot of players uh, at the end of last year. 
Kennedy Pola, who's proven to be a guy who could really be a recruiting coordinator of his own. I mean, he was a guy that his in-home recruiting speech, the speech that the coaches give when they come in home with the parents and the kids and the high school coaches, that speech was actually kind of sort of copied, uh, from what I understand, by Pete Carroll uh, after he left. That was kind of the speech that Pete Carroll used, um, some of the you know parts of the speech that Pete Carroll used when he'd go in with, uh, with recruits on his own visit. So, I mean, you're talking about a group of coaches, and I'll throw Clay Helton in there too because Clay Helton is a guy that a lot, of, a lot of people know about but is really just an energy guy. And you can see it on the recruiting trail as well because – you, you get you, a lot of people, a lot of kids. You know, when I talk to them, they mention Clay Helton by name, and that's always kind of one of those things that you kind of listen for. You know, was it the quarterback coach from USC? Was it an assistant? I can't remember his name. You know, if a coach is really making an impact with a recruit and and, and building a rapport with them, that recruit is going to remember his name because there's a million people calling these kids and talking to these kids on a daily basis. So to kind of cut through and be that guy that stands out, to, oh, yeah, I remember Clay Helton. Yeah, he came up to the high school in May, blah, 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 cool guy. That's, you know, kind of been something that stood out to me. And, I, you know, I kind of I, I see it because when you ever watch Clay Helton out there, and I remember the first time I saw the guy, he was rolling around on the grass in those conditioning drills in spring uh, last year, and he was beating Devon Flournoy, and he's beating, you know, all these different players in these drills. And I'm going, who, what, this guy's out of, out of control. Like, what is he he's yelling? He's rolling around with grass all over his shirt, and he's outrunning the defensive backs in this cone drill. Um, so that kind of, it's like, that's the kind of guy that Clay Helm is. So you've got a staff as a whole that's uh, that's going to be relentless, and it's going to continue to fight, 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 and where, you know, I think the last staff had a, a huge advantage in that, you know, they're winning BCS games, they're going to national titles, there was no cap on that. You know, this staff now has to deal with that cap, they have to deal with that black cloud of you can't go to a bowl game this year, although that's not really a big deal for these recruits because they're going to be coming to the, to, to the school next year, which is, you know, they're going to have an opportunity to go to a bowl game. Um, but, the, you know, scholarship issues and a lot of negative recruiting just in general about, oh, USC is not going to be able to do this, you're not going to be able to do that. And so the excitement, you know, and that's the thing with, with Alex McCarthy, I think specifically, he's a kid that likes to be excited. He gets bored easy. He's a very ADD guy. Uh, you know, I talked to him. I, I kind of know the kid here with, you know, kind of known him here for about a year and a half, almost two years. And Ellis is not going to hang around and just, uh, you know, watch football and, and be satisfied with that. He's one of those kids that, you know, came to the junior day at USC pretty much had seen a lot of what USC had to offer uh, from, from a junior day you know, standpoint, kind of the presentation and the tour of the school. He had already been to the school. They had already kind of done that with him. And so he got bored and he left. He went to his sister's softball game. And, you know, I think a lot of people are going, whoa, that's not a good sign. You know, a guy kind of left on junior day. Well, he basically did the same thing at UCLA. In fact, he was invited to UCLA scrimmage and was there for about 15 minutes and then left in the middle of the scrimmage. And, you know, people at UCLA were freaking out about that. So he's just kind of one of those guys that, you know, it's, it, the process has to continue to uh, interest him, the school, the, the people at the school, and I think, you know, the football team, obviously. There's got to be some upside to that. And that's where, you know, the season always impacts 
recruiting. You know, we can talk circles about what happens in June and May and March and everybody's committed and, oh, no, USC missed out on this guy and that guy. And then all of a sudden you see these kids come in on official visits that are already committed to other schools. And then you see the season and how that plays out and how that affects uh, all these kids. You know, I mean, you look at what happened with Texas. I mean, it's the terrible year they had last year and, you know, losing Christian Westerman, which nobody would have predicted at that point in time. So a lot happens. A lot of dominoes fall, and you just kind of have to have that attitude that there's going to be ebb and flow. And with a guy like, you know, Ellis McCarthy um, or Nelson Aguilar or a lot of the top guys that USC is looking at right now, they all want to kind of wait until the end of the process. Kyle Murphy, a lot of names that we get asked about week in and week out, those kids at this point in time, feel like they want to wait until after season before they make any decisions. So obviously the decision, the decision is going to be made partly on what happens during the season. Sure. All right. And then uh, one last thing, Gerard, before we uh, close out the podcast for this week, a lot of talk about Mark Tyler in the news being on TMZ. I guess that's one of the, the benefits of being in LA. If you're going to school in LA, you, you like that Hollywood kind of glitz and glamor, but there's also some downside. And uh, Mark Tyler got caught on camera of TMZ i uh, said some uh, not so nice things, not not very, uh, a lot of USC fans are kind of upset with that. I wanted to get your take on that, just on the, the recruiting angle, how that could affect USC recruiting. Well, I don't think it really affects USC recruiting. Um, I, it was really a bad decision on Mark's part, and just, uh, I think, in general, you kind of wonder, you know, what are you, what are you doing with your time um, <laughs> when uh there's, you know, you're, you're supposed to be the guy that's winning that starting job at tailback, and uh, you've already got question marks around you, and then something like this happens. Uh, I think it's one of those incidents where you kind of look at the uh, the player and the responsibility that he has uh, more than you can say this has anything to do with USC or, uh, you know, USC as a, as a school in Los Angeles. Obviously, you're going to have um, those temptations and you're going to have more exposure in a big city, uh, which is, you know, like you said, a double-edged sword for a lot of kids. You know, they want to come to the big city, but you got to realize that, you know, there's that responsibility that there's going to be more people watching you. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, you can pull that over to the recruiting side of things, and, and, and while there's more exposure at a school like USC being in Los Angeles, and that was really kind of the prejudice that, that the NCAA put against USC in when they gave them sanctions and saying they were a high-profile school, which, you know, to me, that still just screams, uh, you know, where, where's the equality, you know, issue that the, the, the NCAA always preaches about. You're busy, you know, pointing out a school saying, well, this school is different, and we're going to treat them differently because then they're, they're in L.A. Well, here's the truth of the matter nowadays, and this, is, this really goes to recruiting. You know, Facebook has become something that, uh, is, is pretty much a free-for-all for quotes, comments, and things that are uncensored out of not only players' mouths, but we're talking about recruits now. And while you can say, well, living in Los Angeles, you're going to have a lot more exposure, there's going to be a lot more um, you know, pitfalls when you're out there socially, you got to kind of watch your back. Well, you know what? You can be in Lincoln, Nebraska, and be drunk off your ass and get on Facebook and make an ass out of yourself very quickly, even quicker than TMZ is going to with their with their television show. So, you know, it's not necessarily restricted uh, to the big city and those things happening. And I think that's the one thing with recruiting we're seeing 
there's going to become a point in time where somebody puts something on Facebook that is really outrageous. And, and, you know, fans have already talked about, you know, the various characters through the recruiting process uh, that have come and gone in years past on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you know, Marquise Ambles had a Ustream show going on uh, during the recruiting process. He had it going up on signing day where he's talking to college coaches on signing day on Ustream. They're calling the house and they're talking to him, and he's on Ustream chatting with people. It, it was it was crazy. I mean, we're just looking at it, going, "Oh my god, I just can't believe this is going on." This is, you know, it's it, it's entertaining. It's really entertaining. But then you're kind of going, "Ah, you know, this is a little bit of a window into something that you know you you kind of wary about whether it should be consumed by the public." Well, I think with the recruits, it's going to be some point where somebody's going to say something that they really really shouldn't be saying. They're going to go off on a coach. Some coach is going to come in and not get along with the family, and the kids get on Facebook and go, you know what, this guy is a real a-hole, and blah, 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 blah. And, and then that really has a, a direct effect not only on that coach and that school, but that kid, because then other coaches are going to look at him and say, well, is he, you know, really, do we want to touch this kid? Do we really want to be involved with him? And obviously that coach, if he has any career after that point uh, in the NFL, uh, you're going to have – you know, some issues there because I always tell kids, you know, remind yourself that if you're blessed enough to move on beyond this level, uh, some of these coaches that you said no thank you to might be drafting you. They might be in that war room drafting you on draft day, and you don't want to be that kid that he remembers being a real punk during the recruiting process. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's, that's an issue as well. So you've got Facebook and you've got all these different avenues where, you can say things that uh, you may regret and uh, you wish were censored. Uh, Mark Tyler has TMZ. So, you know, apples and oranges, Ryan Abraham. Apples <laughs> and oranges, but still fruit nonetheless. It was kind of fruity. I agree with you there. Still fruity. Still very fruity. <laughs> cool, Gerard. Well, hey, great stuff. We really appreciate you uh, coming on and looking forward to see you again on future shows. So we're going to try and fire these shows up, the Ustream shows on Thursdays. Sometime in the afternoon from McKay's. If you actually want to come down to McKay's and say hello, we'll be in the little bar area there. Uh, we'll, we'll post on the message boards and stuff what on USAFootball.com what exact time we're going to do. and We'll work on getting some more guests and have some fun with the Ustream show. And of course, we'll it's still keep... try and error at McKay's. I mean, that was actually our first. Yeah. We didn't really know what kind of internet connection we would have. There's a lot of things that kind of go wrong with the show. And so it was a little bit of a, well, let's kind of, you know, see if it even works here and, what our setup's going to be. So we walked into that a little blind, but that's the way Ryan likes to walk. He likes to I'm a blind give himself a deadline, <laughs> something he's never done before, and say, we've got to do this at this time. So we were scrambling a little bit, but it actually worked out uh, fairly well. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. We didn't have uh, you know many issues. No, not too bad. So we'll keep working on that. It should be good. And uh, check that out for sure. Uh, you can go uh, to our Peristyle podcast page and watch the replay or watch it live. Just check out USCfootball.com. We'll post all the updates there. Thanks again for uh, for you, Gerard, for coming on, and thanks everyone else out there for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. We enjoy doing it over three years now, and thanks for being loyal listeners to the podcast. We'll talk more and more about USC football and recruiting as fall camp gets closer, and we get close to that 2011 season. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free 
Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 